If the blues has a truly mythic figure, one whose story hangs over the music the way Charlie Parker does over jazz or Hank William does over country, it's Robert Johnson. He is certainly one of the most celebrated figures in the history of blues. Doomed, haunted, driven by inner demons, a tormented genius dead at an early age, Robert Johnson's music resonates with despair, sorrow, and lament that is at the apex of the musical genre even today. Reading Psalm 23 this morning, I cannot help but wonder if the psalmist and Johnson were friends. Johnson's masterpiece, Crossroad Blues, written in 1936, echoes the anguish and desolation of the psalmist with striking familiarity. You can only imagine each other of them sitting in some small smoky juke joint in Hazelhurst, Mississippi, trading verses back and forth as they strum weathered guitars with rusty strings that have been bent over a heartache a lifetime of heartache. That'll get it. You can hear it when they say, I went to the crossroads, fell down on my knees, asked the Lord about, have mercy. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Standing at the crossroads, I tried to flag a ride. Didn't nobody see me to know me. Everybody just passed me by. You spread a table before me in the presence of those who have troubled me. Ooh-wee boy, dark gonna catch me here. Lord, I'm standing at the crossroads, babe. I believe I'm sinking down. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for you are with me. While we often equate Psalm 23 with the joy and peace, a closer reading has more in tune with the Delta Blues. The sadness for Johnson and the psalmist is readily apparent. Their words resound a haunting despair with each of them at their bitter end. While the novelty of the similarity between the two writers is enough to contemplate on its own, there is something more to be gained in connecting the two songs. If we begin to hear the psalmist with the same amount of despair that we hear in Johnson's voice, maybe we can begin to grasp the desolation present in our own lives and in our broken world this Lent. But more importantly, we can begin to hear how those words of despair are intimately connected with the words of hope and faith. What is so striking about the lament of the psalmist and Johnson is their ability to shed light on the reality that deep loss and grace are held together in a unique song the way the crucifixion and resurrection hold the Christian story together. There is much to be gained in engaging the words of Johnson and the psalmist because their cries of pain recognition of isolation and the harsh reality that suffering is readily present in their lives is foundational to a life of faith. More often than not, we tend to go about our faith with a joy and fervor that celebrates the good news of the gospel, only acknowledging the positive. 
We move from success to success, triumph to triumph, quietly censoring the darkness that exists, not just in the world, but I would even push in our own lives. When we turn to one another to ask how we are doing, there is no expectation to actually hear about the heaviness on each other's hearts. Instead, we breathe a sigh of relief where we hear each other how great each other is doing. John just got a new job. Ashley was accepted to the college of her choice. I'm so blessed is what we hear. But the psalmist and Johnson speak to our reality that is blinded by an ineptitude to brace the reality of life. John was fired from his last two jobs. We are so in debt I have no clue how we're going to pay for college. I've been struggling with depression for the last two years and feel helpless. See, those are the notes that Johnson and the psalmist sing that are important to hear. Theologians over the years are right in characterizing the psalms as an act of hope. It is hard to see, but that hope is rooted in the midst of loss and darkness, where God is so much, so much to our chagrin, present. I can't help but note that Johnson and the psalmist direct their cries of pain and despair to God. At their lowest moment, at the end of their rope, they still find it important to address their realities in conversation with God. That very act helps me at least realize that darkness may be faced and lived in. More than that, because of God's presence, the darkness is strangely transformed. The relentless promise of God to meet in our whole life means that God is present not only in the light, but in the darkness too. God speaks in that darkness and offers the hope of new life. Darkness is not the end, but it is a part of the story. Just as it is a part of Johnson's story and the psalmist's story. Johnson and the psalmist do not permit us to ignore or deny the darkness because that is the very place where grace happens and new life given. It is what we walk into during Holy Week. We must come face to face with the reality of suffering and utter hopelessness. Psalmist and Johnson invite us to embrace that part of our faith, articulating so aptly restlessness and despair, longing and disappointment, exile and estrangement. Even amongst the despondent words, there is a tinge of hope that is sounded. In their most desperate times, they still cry out to the Lord, giving hope, giving their hope for deliverance. As Christians, we know that the song is not finished yet, but Johnson and the psalmist's part is important to the whole song that is salvation. This fundamental idea is only reinforced with the words of Elie Wiesel's statement, poets exist so that the dead may vote. The psalmist and Johnson do vote. They vote for faith, but in their vote for faith, they also vote for honesty, despair, passion, and inevitably joy. 
Their words are relevant today as much as they were when they were written. And their words give us the notes to sing a song that leads to new life. Towards the end of his life, Johnny Billington, a talented blues musician in his own right, moved back to the Delta Headwaters in Mississippi. Standing on the steps of the Stovall Plantation, where the shack of muddy waters once stood, an interviewer asked him a trivial question. What is the blues? Billington, strumming a few chords and coaxing a battered piece of wood and strings to life, said, without hesitation, the blues is truth, the truth about life, the truth about us. Pop music, that stuff you hear on the radio, he said, was fake. It's all right in that world, happy. When does it encounter sadness, he said. It just sounds plain silly. The blues is communal, he added. You might be okay today, money in the bank. Tomorrow, though, you might have the blues. You're feeling bad, but then you hear the blues. You find out that the guy up there singing, he feels bad too. And you realize that it's okay. You realize that you'll get through this human condition together. His words have such profound repercussions for us that we, as we hear the notes of Johnson and the psalmist, their notes allow us not only to hear their story, but permission to begin to sing our own. Maybe it's time we learned how to sing the blues. For me, standing at the edge of despair and looking down into my own darkness, I have found that singing the psalms of the blues in that, there's a bridge of hope that is built allowing me to cross and sing a song of joy. It is only in joining Robert Johnson and the psalmist sing their notes of lament that we are able to sing the notes of hope and joy as Sunday comes.